Welcome to Pre-K Spot Talks. I am Melissa, your host and the founder of Pre-K Spot, the spot for early childhood educators to open up their teaching. I am your guide down the open-ended child-led teaching path, and together we will explore strategies and ideas so that you may open up your teaching to less stress, more engagement, and an overall joyful child-led classroom. Hello, hello, teacher friend. We are back this week for the second part of the Classroom Setup series. This week, we are going to talk all about our favorite thing, decor, storage, and scheduling. And you'll see how scheduling fits into Classroom Setup because it actually really dictates the flow. But more about that in a bit. So here we go. Let's get into it. And remember, these were pre-recorded audio So if you hear things that sound a bit off, it's because it was from last year, but it's so relevant and so important that I wanted to reshare it with you again this year. Today we are on decor. Now I know sometimes that this can be a hot topic. I am not going to try to press my beliefs on you. I'm just going to come from my lens and what I like to do and what I believe. And just right so you know, there's no judgment if you love to do the opposite of what I do. Hey girl, you do you, right? Um, I'm just here to offer my tips and everything through my lens from my experience. Decor. I like to keep it clean and simple. I don't do a theme in my room. I do have a color scheme and I keep the color scheme neutral and low key by using only three base colors. Kind of four because I only have a, you know only have so many choices with the tables and some of the furniture that I have. But my colors are aqua. Think Target bins. Those were perfect this year for my color scheme. I do aqua, gray, natural because my tables are that lighter natural wood color, and pops of white. The walls in my room are green, which actually kind of clash with my aqua, and I'm actually hoping my principal will let me paint my walls one year. We'll see. But the rest of the walls are also white. Keeping those neutral help to build a warmth in the classroom you know because they're coordinated it doesn't look haphazard it looks really nice and clean but then at the same time it's fun it's whimsical and because we are in pre-k and setting up an early childhood classroom I do not put anything on the walls in the beginning of the year I leave space for their work I usually have one area for paintings which we use very large paper for so it's a very large area we do paintings and then I leave an area for their self-portraits because their self-portraits grow throughout the year in the beginning of the year we do one we usually do three I aim for five but it usually to be honest only ends up being three basically fall winter spring and then I leave a lot of space for the kids to decorate the room as they feel fit Um, I usually have one or two kids who love to like draw something and just like stick it up on the radiator or stick it up on the wall somewhere and I let them. I usually have an area that we start out in the beginning of the year as the art gallery and that's where they can take their drawings that they don't want to bring home um, but they want to hang up. And then plus they learn to use the tape to hang it up themselves. I do do charts. I try to always have pictures included in my charts but you know environmental print is part of 
you know, learning and early literacy. And there are some kids by the end of the year who are trying to read. So you need to have some of those words up there. And we don't shy away from big words, even though I try to use words as little as possible because the kids aren't reading them. And if I want them to use a chart, I want them to be able to use it. So it has pictures and words. Um, so I did leave a little bit of space for a couple of charts, like we usually do a sharing chart or a feelings chart and things like that. I do have a little bit of decoration up, which is usually a big giant stick, which we found one year. I have a couple of other branches that stick up and we tend to decorate those with family projects if we have family visits. And I do keep the aqua color theme. So all of my bins are aqua. I have a couple of aqua curtains. And this year I am possibly getting an aqua and gray carpet. I can't decide if I'm going to do gray or aqua or both. I don't want the room to be a giant aqua bomb. But I want to incorporate it and I want it to feel really homey. So I use a lot of like flowy materials. I use a lot of soft you know, pillows and I don't use a school carpet. I use like a regular home carpet that somebody might put in their living room. And the big thing here, which can be controversial, is I do not set up a calendar area. I incorporate all of that circle time learning and calendar time learning within the morning message and their morning meeting. I do have a schedule up for the children, a picture schedule. I do have a job chart for the children. And then I do have the date and day so that they can see it all the time in case they erase the board with the morning message. Um, but it is all very small. It's a flip chart. And again, it's color coordinated to kind of blend in. I also do not put letters or numbers up. I have these on a ring, which the children can remove if they want to look at the letters or they want to look at the numbers. And again, this way it's not, you know, covering the whole room, but it is there and accessible. I really do want you to consider toning down any colors and big decor things that you do. It has been proven that the more low-key the room and the less that is going on, the better for children. But just because that means that, or that says that doesn't mean you can't have anything, right? I want your rooms to be beautiful. I want your rooms to be pretty. I want you to enjoy them along with the children. Um, but, you know, I, my suggestions are just to take it down to one to two to three color schemes you know, we're not going to throw up a tons of, your room should be pretty bare in the beginning of the year, right? I mean, I know a lot of teachers think that, but you know, the kids can do more than you think, right? So I have my kids color these ABCs. They do it themselves. The first activity that we do in the beginning of the year, it's a wonderful icebreaker and helps children take ownership of the room and way less work for me, is I print out their names on their tags for their cubbies and their clothing bins, and they get to color those. So they, I give them just a little cutout. They can color it however they want to color, and then we tape them to their area. And then that way, they know where all their stuff goes, and when they're looking at their name, they're looking at the picture they drew. And it just really is a wonderful, simple, straightforward activity Yet the children are putting their stamp on the classroom from the second that they walk in. 
And I also, you know, it's way less work to not decorate the room and all kinds of crazy things. Saves you printer ink, saves you so much. So if you want a lot of less work to do, think about doing it this way. And then that way, it's even more beneficial for the children. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this talk about decor. Like I said, girl, you do you. You want to do the boho rainbows everywhere? You go for it because they are beautiful. Um, but just consider leaving a lot of space and not making things overwhelming. All eye level. How Think about how the kids are going to use them. Is it just there to, to be there? As much as I absolutely love all of these great little, um, the signs and things and like affirmations, I love those for my kids. I teach them affirmations, but I'm not going to do an affirmation mirror because like I said, my kids are not necessarily reading these words. So it's just less to be putting up in the room for them to have to look at, right? I can find other ways to teach them affirmations, which we do during morning meeting. So that way we're teaching them the lessons, but then there's less going on in the room. So I hope you enjoyed this little chat about decor. I hope it, I hope it was helpful. And I hope I don't sound judgy because I'm not judging you for however you want to you want to do your classroom. Again, this is just what I do. This is what goes on in my room. And there's something different for everybody. Everybody has their own way. I just wanted to share mine with you. Today we are going to talk about storage. This is going to be a quick, short and sweet one because storage is something we all love because I'm pretty sure most teachers, I'm not going to say everybody, but most teachers love organizing. That is something that makes classroom setup so exciting and I love organizing too, but I also have kind of a stance on storage, which is why I wanted to take a whole day to talk about it. Now, storage. Some of us have tons and tons and tons of cabinets and closets and things we can close and places we can put things. Some of us don't. I have a decently large size classroom, but the storage is minimal. Again, New York City, I've mentioned it before, we go up, up, up to find space to store. I have two very tall closets, and then I also have like a sink area with some uh, shelving, and then I have... A decently large closet but it is also where the children store their items as well so that takes up quite a bit of space I've tried to have cubbies outside of the closet before but I don't love it because it's another giant piece of furniture in the classroom I didn't have permission to put it in the hallway so I like to use the closet because then it takes the eyesore of stuff falling out everywhere and puts it in a closet you can shut the door so Really, another reason why I decided to do storage as a whole day to talk about is that I am a huge believer in keeping some things away from the children. I work with four-year-olds, okay? So not every single thing can be out all the time. One, because it's overwhelming. Two, it also helps me do a little bit of a rotation, kind of the same way we rotate books. I'll rotate some materials and then... It is a little bit easier to clean up because there's just less out. And plus, it also helps bring in a nice big surprise. Kind of goes along with rotation. It's like, surprise, here's something new. Woohoo! And so I let the kids know that there are things that they might want 
But I really don't kind of like tip them off that there's more fun things hidden away. Most of the kids don't seem to notice. They don't seem to care or ask until one day they're like, oh, I need more paint. And I open up the closet and they're like, ooh, what's in there? And then once they get a glimpse, they're almost always asking. I'm a huge, huge believer in asking in our classroom. The only way you can advocate for yourself, the only way you can stand up for yourself is if you learn to ask. Dude, the answer might be no, and which is kind of a bummer, but then we learn from that. So from day one, I always tell the children, ask, 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 ask. If there's an idea you have or something that you want, ask. And so that goes along with my ability to be able to store lots of things. Now, when I'm talking about storing lots of things, I'm talking about storing extra math manipulatives, extra art supplies, mostly art supplies, right? Like all the feathers, all the tissue paper, all the little doodads, knickknacks, thingamajigs, glues, sequins, glitters, all of that. I give my kids access to as much as they possibly can use, and I will put it out on a table for them within a tray and things like that can always give them more, but those kinds of things are not the things that I keep out on my art card all the time. On the art card, it is always um, starting with crayons and then markers and then pencils, and then we add bits and pieces as the year go on, but they always have access to paper, and then we add staplers, tape, color tape, dot paints, stamps, things like that. Uh, let's see. Oh, so another reason why I store a lot of things is because while it's less overwhelming because there's less out, it also challenges the children more. They have to use what's out. You know, if the art cart right now only has tape, uh, crayons, and paper, you gotta work with that. And it really, really challenges their brains, especially I feel like as time goes on and we turn into more of a screen, digital kind of society, we, children are losing that type of challenge. You know, everything comes so easily to them. They don't necessarily know what to do with just a piece of paper and a crayon. So especially at the beginning of the year, I really like to give them those types of challenges. Now, storing things inside of things. All the things that we can use to store. This is the exciting part. Some of the things that I use to store both in and outside is the carts, right? All the carts, cart, carts, carts. I have the wheelie carts that are open. I have the carts that have pegboards on the side. I have the carts that have drawers, 10 drawers, six drawers, so many carts. I use them for everything. Some of them are teacher stuff for papers and things like that. Some of them are for the kids, imagination play stuff, all kinds of stuff. The carts are the best. I have said it before when we were talking about environment. I highly suggest getting rid of big bulky furniture and replacing with carts if you have the ability. Sometimes you just have to look at it in a different way and then maybe store something. See why we're talking about storage? If you can take a couple things off of the shelf and you can get rid of a whole piece of furniture and stick that in drawers, one, it's going to look cleaner, two, it's going to be less overwhelming, and three, it is going to make cleanup so much easier. Another thing to store things in, I also love to use, just like everybody else in the classroom, bins. Plastic bins, bins galore. All of my bins are aqua. If I don't have an aqua bin, I have a clear bin. And then I use big bins, small bins, book bins, trays, whatever kind of bins I can get my hands on. 
I specifically use them for books and then storage above my sink area. And then whenever, you know, you have those extra materials that pop up in the middle of the year or something, you don't know what to do something with it, toss it in a bin. Bins are, you can move them around. Card bins, you know, those boxes with the little task card bins, you think it comes with like 10 of them. I definitely use those. I don't give those to the kids, but that's something that I use for my own teacher stuff. You know, I store all of my extra like desk stuff, like, you know, glue sticks, staples, uh, rubber bands. I also use store some mini erasers, things like that. I know a lot of teachers are loving those plastic, the small little plastic bins with the small little drawers. I don't use those specifically, but they look super handy. And I definitely highly suggest thinking about that if you need some like store desk storage um, and possibly some like small mini erasers or smaller little bits and bobs. My second thing that I absolutely love to use to store in my classroom is baskets. Baskets, baskets, baskets. I actually use food baskets for a lot of my loose parts and a lot of my smaller materials. They are really cheap. They're really sturdy. They look great. And they're really easily replaceable. Ooh, another thing that I have found that has become really handy is to extend shelf space and to extend some of my upper cabinet space. So I don't have cabinets, I just have a bunch of shelves. And then I have a lot of space and then the sink. And I have gotten those under cabinet hangers and they go under my cabinets where I'm storing things. And I've used them on my loose parts shelf to add more additional storage because there's space this way because the baskets are low. And so that way we can fit even more loose parts onto the shelf. Another thing that I absolutely love that is amazing storage that I hadn't really thought about before was we have a mini fridge in the classroom and I got a mini fridge cart. So it lifts it up so you're not bending down. And then it also has a couple of drawers for all of those snacks and extra things that you have. I used to have an entire cart filled with snacks. Everybody knows that my room is the room to come to when you need extra milk, you need extra snacks, you need extra fruit. I can't get rid of anything, and I let my kids eat pretty much all day if they want to, so we keep a lot of stuff in our classroom, and every, and the fridge cart has been a huge game changer. Another thing that I absolutely love to store in my room is mailboxes. So my kids, I we use mailboxes because we do school-wide have folders that go home back and forth. We don't really use them that much in pre-K, but they come in handy when the kids have a lot of uh, drawings they want to bring home or there's a flyer or something like that. So we need a place to put their plastic folder that folds, and we use shoe holders for that. They hang them on my closet door, and I have to extend them a little so that the kids can reach them, but I just do that with a little string. It's not a big deal. And that way they can put all of their stuff inside of their uh, mailboxes and it's in the closet it's put away it's out of the way it's not an eyesore but it's still very very functional another thing that we use in the classroom is on the back of my bathroom door is we have one of those purse holders you know the purse holders that hang on the closet and then it has like the little sides on it and that's where I put all of their plastic bags full of extra clothes uh, I don't really let the kids access their own extra clothes. Um, we usually are helping them with that because they're so little. While they're perfectly capable of getting dressed by themselves most of the time, it's really hard for them to find which bag is theirs. They all have similar clothes. They think somebody else is. It's just a something we don't even deal with. We grab them their extra clothes, give them to them, and they change themselves. So that doesn't have to be within reach of the children. 
Another thing that I love storing or using to store are magazine holders, the ones that go onto the wall that are kind of slanted. I use those for just storing some trays. I've had them on the side of shelves before so that we can put like extra materials in or sometimes just papers. And I use some behind my desk on the bulletin board above my desk and then that way I can slip some teacher papers and things in there. And that's it for storage. You know, we're thinking about all the things that we can use for storage. Obviously, there's a million other ways that you can store things and organize. You can get really, really creative. But this, I just want to share with you what I do in my classroom because I know there's a few things that I had never seen before or that I picked up from somebody else. And I like, love to spread the joy. Think about some things is to really think about what you can store. Don't be afraid to store things if you have the space. Right? I get it. Some of us don't even have closets in our room. But it maybe if you can make it happen, get yourself a wardrobe, get yourself some shelves, a cute Ikea shelf with some cute little baskets, and just store away some of that extra stuff. Even if it's not extra, just store away some stuff for rotation because children in early childhood really just don't need a ton. But I know there's occasions when you really want that one special material. And so you keep it away, you pull it out when you need it. And don't forget to grab your freebie. I've created a little what's stored, what's not stored kind of checklist worksheet for you. So go ahead and make sure you grab that. I have also dropped all of the things that I mentioned, plus other things that I think are amazing for storage in your classroom into a Amazon list on my Amazon storefront and check out all the amazing things you can use for storage. And now for the last part. Hey, Pre-K Spot friends, we are back for the final day of our classroom setup series and I want to thank you for joining me on this journey and I really hope that you either got some tips and some tricks and enjoyed them or had a different way of thinking about something or something sparked some inspiration because that's exactly why I did this. Schedule. Why talk about schedule when we're talking about classroom setup? Well, everybody knows that your schedule dictates pretty much everything that you do in your day. It tells you when and where to go and the things that you have to stand solid on. I like to be really flexible and the schedule is the only thing in my room that is not flexible. Well, not flexible in certain ways, right? When I have a special, we have a special. We can't change that. But everything in between, we can. So to really get down to the nitty gritty, when I'm doing my schedule, obviously start time and end time are solid. Specials time, solid. I ask my principal if we can have the earliest or the right before lunch and recess. That way I have chunks of time to work on what we're going to talk about a little bit later. And then lunch and recess are kind of flexible, but kind of stuck, right? It happens the same time throughout the whole school. That way we can manage the outdoor space. Uh, but there is some flexibility when it comes to lunch. It starts at a strong time or like whenever we get back from recess. And then I can kind of end it whenever I feel like it. When talking about setting up your schedule, there are some requirements. You know, if you're following Eckers, you should have 207 minutes of playtime. And that's just free playtime. And then there's also the hour of, you know, physical movement playtime. Of course, obviously those cross over, but they differentiate the two between more of like PE and outdoor play. And then... Um, you know, free play in the classroom for learning purposes. I love this. This is the one thing about Eckers that you will never hear me complain about. I mean, I might complain because it's incredibly difficult to fit into your schedule. However, it is an amazing goal to aspire to. This is what I do when I'm thinking about my schedule. 
I like the kids to come in in the morning to play, straight into playing. They put their stuff away, a little bit of a routine there, and then I want them to play. I give them at least 30 minutes. Then we have a quick morning meeting, and then hopefully we have a special. I love to kind of get it out of the way in the morning, and then, and they're fresh, and they're good, and they're happy, and then we come back, and we have a snack, and then it's, bam, more playtime, and hopefully at that point, a large chunk of playtime. I give my kids minimum hour, maximum hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. Now, that's not in the beginning of the year. Even if they had an hour and 40 minute chunk, I would never give that to them because most of the time they just don't know what to do. They can't handle that amount of time without destroying the entire classroom. And it's something that we build up to because they need to build their stamina, especially for kids who have never been in school before. But I love to think about my schedule in that way because getting everything kind of out of the way in the morning and just having larger chunks of time. And then everything else happens in the middle of the day, right? We have recess, we have lunch, we have rest. And then the whole rest of the day is for more playtime. I like to use that as more additional free playtime, or sometimes we'll add an additional outside time if the weather is right, or we go for our walks then, and things like that. I also like to think about my schedule in these kind of ways, right? So when I'm setting it up, I'm thinking, what are my requirements? What can't I change? You know, so that we, like I just said before, we have some things that are set by the school, so we have to follow them. What's flexible? All the time in between. What can I do with that time and how can I maximize their playtime? And when I talk about playtime, I'm talking about just like free unbridled playtime. You know, there's some parts of it that I might drive or try to facilitate and things like that, but I just let them play. You know, what can be integrated? That's another question, right? Can you maybe like integrate movement into playtime? Do they need a break because they've been sitting on the carpet? I do two meetings and not two meetings like a morning meeting and an afternoon meeting. I do two meetings as in we do a morning meeting to welcome and start our day. And then we also have a learning meeting, which is actually somewhat flexible. Sometimes we don't need to have a learning meeting, right? Kind of like in the beginning of, or not the beginning, the middle of the year. Like we get back in like January, we're not quite studying anything really deeply at the moment because the kids are just coming back. We're relearning some routines and we just kind of skip it. They don't need it. They want to play. They want to do some other things. And so if we're not deep into a topic, get rid of that learning meeting. And that also allows, these two meetings also allow for quicker, shorter meetings so that the kids can stay focused and attend. And then I also do just like a little teeny tiny closing meeting at the end of the day just to like be together at the end of our day and do some reflection and teach the kids how to reflect. That's what I'm thinking when I do my schedule. So if you click into the freebies today, I've given you my sample schedule. Obviously, there's lots of different things that are going to be different for different people because there's requirements from your school that come down that are totally different from what I have. But it gives you an idea of like what I'm thinking and kind of like how I structure my day. And I can tell you right now that I have a schedule, <laughs> but I don't really follow it. Like I might say like 9, 10 snack, you know, 9, 20 reading. And especially by the end of the year, that stuff's thrown out the door. The only thing we really stick to is school starts when school starts. We go to our special when it's special time. We go to lunch and recess when it's our assigned time. Done. Everything else kind of happens when it happens. It does happen in the same order generally, unless something, you know, comes up as a there's an assembly or something like that. But I do do things in the same order. That way it's predictable for the children. 
but they don't have the bit the greatest sense of time so you know if snack takes 15 minutes one day five minutes another day sometimes they integrate snack during work time so it's a choice that way we're not taking 20 minutes out of the day when we could be playing instead I do love snack to like come together and like be together and chat and use it as a, as a chat time so it kind of depends on the group and it also really depends on the time of the year in the beginning of the year we're really sticking to our schedule and the structure and then by the end of the year we've pretty much all hell breaks loose and we do whatever we want <laughs> because our learning really takes hold and we really dive deep into things and we really want to get into a new project and sometimes we just don't have time for those things when the kids just don't love them anyway and that is it. We have completed the two-part classroom setup series, and I really hope that you gained some tips and tricks or thought about something in a little bit of a different way, because that is exactly the point of these podcasts. I hope you enjoyed. There are some freebies in the show notes of both episodes, so go ahead and check that out. And if you're looking for more, always follow us on Instagram. See you later.